If you're looking for a podcast to give you suggestions on the softest material to wrap your mummy in. Oh, that's a thoughtful thing to do. Well, you know, you, you're going to be in there for three to 5,000 years. It's you want, you don't want it you to chafe. No, you don't want it to You don't want it rubbing in places where it's going to, you know, irritate. No, that's, no, that's. I mean, you got that, all that sand to worry about. I never thought about that, but that's. That's important. Plus, you know, they're going to rip your brain out with that little hooked tool. So, you know, you that's just. That's bad enough. Yeah, it's bad enough. You You're going to have a headache. You don't want to have. Want scratchy fabric. You don't want to have raw <laughs> skin after no. you finally are revived once the curse is invoked. Yeah. However. Yeah, we're not that. This is not that podcast. No. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, a podcast where a married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, and we sit down and discuss why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it. I am Stan the Movie Man, and I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. Follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan, and follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can get in touch with us. Uh, a couple of different ways. Send us an email, comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com, and you can also send us a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Joining me, as always, is the sun to my moon. The, 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 the light spring rain to my arid desert. Aww. The light side to my dark side, bringing balance to the force. My other half. Oh, Maud the Scary Broad. Oh. Like, duh, we didn't know that already. All right. Well, uh, it was my choice this week. Yes, it was. As we continue spooky season, which Maud has just informed me we may go one more week with this. Okay, see, here's the thing. Because it will still be spooky season when we watch our movie, even mm-hmm. though it probably will not still be spooky season when we report the when we record the next podcast. Right. So I'm leaning toward one, you know, squeezing one more spooky out I, of this year's spooky season. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Cool. I'll put my spooky thinking cap on. <laughs> Please do. Uh, and but my choice for this week is the 2019 film Scary Stories to Tell. In the Dark, based on a book of the same name. Um, it is uh, directed by Andre Urvidal. Urvidal is Urvidal. what I'm I have no idea. It's a, it's a name that is not from around here. Uh, and it's not a language that I've studied. With a uh, screen story by Guillermo del Toro, and he also produced the film. The uh, movie stars Zoe Coletti, Michael Garza, Gabriel Rush, Austin Zajer, I'm not sure about that one either, mm-hmm. Z-Z-A-J-U-R, yeah, yeah whatever, um, as well as uh, Dean Norris, Gil Bellows, Lorraine Toussaint, and more. Um, as I said, it is based on the book of the same name, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, um, and... The movie's, you know, sort of, it's a series of stories that are told um, 
from the perspective of our main character, Stella Nichols, played by Zoe Coletti. Stella! <laughs> Sorry. I uh, she lives with her single dad, Roy, who is played by Dean Norris, in a small Pennsylvania town of Mill Valley. It's 1968. The war in Vietnam is raging as protests, as are protests against it. Nixon's about to be elected president. And if that wasn't scary enough, eh. it's Halloween. Stella goes out with her friends Augie, played by Gabriel Rush, and Chuck, played by Austin Zager, uh, for one last night of Halloween pranks as they are getting too old to dress up and trick-or-treat. Uh, they run into a high school bully uh, named Tommy Milner, played by Austin Abrams and his crew of guys. What a bunch of jerks. Yes, they have picked on our uh, three heroes for years. Um, and they managed to escape them after Chuck uh, throws a flaming bag of human poo uh, through the window of the car. They had it that, coming. Yeah, well, they did. Oh, and he 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 stuck the landing on that bag of poop too, because it landed in the villain's crotch. Yes, it did. Perfect landing. Um. The three friends hide out in a um, drive-in movie theater, and they get in the car of Ramon Morales, played by Michael Garza. Ramon is passing through town following the harvest as a migrant worker. Uh, after some conversation, Stella offers to show Ramon a real haunted house, and she guides him to the Bellows House. The Bellows established the town in the late 19th century and built a paper mill. The youngest Bellows child, Sarah, had a physical deformity and was locked away in a secret room. The legend is she would tell stories through the wall to children that would visit the house even though she was never seen. And these stories would cause the children to die of a mysterious illness or poisoning. While exploring the house, Stella and the others find the room where Sarah lived and Stella finds um, Sarah's book of stories. Book. Soon, news stories begin appearing in the book all on their own. Yeah, they're writing themselves. And it features the names of Stella's friends and uh, enemies. Uh, Stella, Augie, Chuck, and Ramon scramble to find a reason for these disappearances, and, uh, and Stella's friends began to disappear. Uh, Stella, Augie, Chuck, and Ramon uh, look for reasons for these disappearances and a way to stop them. As the stories write themselves, the things actually happen. Well, yes, and they are written in real time. You can watch them being written in the book. Yeah. And they make references to things that happen at that time. Yeah, so, as the thing is being written down um, in children's blood, allegedly. Well, some sort of red-looking ink. Um, Sarah... Um, had a terrible life and um, she was in this room by herself in yeah. the dark and those few occasions she had light she would write these stories as an expression of her rage um, now um, I saw this movie when it came out mm -hmm. um, and I reviewed it. What I that synopsis I read was from my review. Oh, look at you! I know. Uh, You're so smart. And I I liked the way 
this movie was put together. I like the characters. Mm -hmm. um, and while it isn't an intensely scary movie, there are things in the movie that are quite upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Although one was directly lifted from a film from the 80s. Who? Mr. Jangly? No. Um, the the older sister with the zit. Oh, yeah. That was, that was taken directly out of The Believers. Oh, okay. Um, because the exact same thing happened to Helen Shaver. She... Um, got like spider bit or exposed to a spider or something and she um, developed this rad zit on her face and the when she like she was trying to mash it and stuff with and she was looking in the mirror and when it exploded it millions of spiders came mm -hmm. just flooding out mm -hmm. so gross Yes, and something very similar happens in Scary Stories. The to exact tell in the same thing Well, happens. yeah, pretty much the yeah. exact same thing. Um, the other creature that I found the most disturbing is the, uh, as I described it in my review, like the Pillsbury Doughboy let himself go and grew very long black hair. Uh, that's the one that, that takes Chuck. Okay, that's not Jangly Man. No. No. Um, it, that's the Red Room. Okay, yeah. Um, and everywhere Chuck runs in this particular scene, at the end of whatever hallway is this this big, doughy, white figure. Eye. Yeah. Well, and I think it's supposed to be female. Eh. Um, and That's even more terrifying. And he turns around and runs the other way, and there's, um, there it is again. And he goes down a separate hallway that is, um, um, you know, at a 90 degree angle from the other hallways, and there it is again. Until finally, it consumes him. It just absorbs him yeah. into it. And I don't know why, maybe because I have this sort of claustrophobic thing yeah. about you know being to where I can't move my arms and legs yeah. and 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 suffocating but there was something about that scene that I think troubled me more than even Mr. Jangly. Well, and I think that I can understand why a because I know about your your arms and legs thing mm -hmm. and your suffocating thing mm -hmm. and also seeing that on a big screen mm -hmm. in a theater would have been, you know, exponentially more graphic and disturbing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. And also, I think that particular creature was created using mostly practical effects. Instead of um, Instead CG. of CG. Yeah, so it was like that you could almost get a sort of a tactile sense of yes. like the goo that this thing was made of mm -hmm. and the feeling of the goo just enveloping. I could be wrong but when you compare to what and we haven't even discussed Mr. Jangly Man but yeah. um, that is another of the monsters. Um, that is clearly an entirely CG, CG. creature. Yeah. Uh, but this one has more of a tactile 
uh, it it appears to actually be occupying the space yeah, in which like it's shown. Yeah, it's like substance to it um, and dimension to it. And you know, just as it absorbs Chuck, it's it just you it gives almost, me the willies. You can almost hear like a slurping, squelching kind of. Yeah. Yeah. As it does the thing, it yeah. is quite effective. Um. Now, there's Chuck, there's Augie, and there's Stella. And these three apparently have been tight for a very long time. Yes. They're, and they're dorks and, and sort of nerdy outcasts. Um, they, they have walkie-talkies and talk to each other via walkie-talkie all the time. Yes. Um, and they're, but they're the kind of dorky, nerdy kids that you root for mm -hmm. and that you like. Stella hopes to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she has a few stories in a in a notebook that she's written, um, but in in a way, all three of these main characters are broken. Mm -hmm. um, she, Stella is uh, her mom left, yeah, and she feels responsible for mm -hmm. for the mom she leaving. She always has, and so and she was, you know, her the other kids in school. Taunted when her it about happened, that. Yeah, yeah, about her mom leaving, and that it was her fault. Yeah, um, that makes a mark that lingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, she has, she lacks a certain amount of, you know, confidence in herself and mm -hmm. her abilities. Uh, that, in a strange way, that these adventures that they go on, um, sort of shows her she does have. Uh, the strength mm -hmm. to continue even in the face of terrible you know otherworldly creatures and, yeah um augie <laughs> um i think augie they were suggesting perhaps he was gay uh because he's he's got all this sort of interest in um what was it he called that that costume where he was the clown? Everybody called oh, him a clown, but the Pierrot. Yeah, the Pierrot. Uh, you know, it's like a French uh, mime sort of clown type sad thing. Sad clown. Yes. Pierrot was a sad clown. Um, and he just—I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't think he was gay. I think that he was secretly crushing on um, Stella. Well, and he was because not that so. That was also suggested. He, he he was also not so secretly crushing on Chuck's sister. Well, yeah, uh, he was, he, was, he was a teenage boy. He's a horn dog. <laughs> uh, um, but he was jealous of um, Ramon. Ramon, yeah. yeah. Okay. When Stella started to. You've hit it convinced off with me. Ramon. I am completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, he could be bi, I guess, uh, but I think he's just. I think he's just. Such a profoundly dorky dork. Yes, he he has these more artistic interests than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and um, his mom apparently is divorced from his dad and has remarried. Um, and his his mom and stepfather just go off and leave him. Um, go on a trip. 
and you know he's talking to him on to to his mom on the phone. He's talking about how there's nothing to eat that she didn't prepare yeah. for their absence by leaving food in the refrigerator. Um, there's two litter boxes and five full kitty dishes on the floor. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so I'm kidding, <clears throat> of course. So, but there's obviously some dysfunction there. Yeah. Uh, and Chuck. Did we ever meet Chuck's dad? We met the sister and the mom. Remember. So maybe that dad's out of the picture. Or just, you know, working or all just the time at work. Checked out. Uh but uh yeah, Chuck, um I'm not sure exactly what his dysfunction is, but he's got far more confidence than he deserves. Uh he I mean he's he's willing to to chuck a bag of flaming human poo into uh, his bully's car. Um, pretty pretty freaking sweet. It and, really was. And, uh, you know, the he's, he's, he's both an instigator and a coward uh, because he wants to run away from all this weird stuff. Uh, you know. Well, and, that's freaking scary. Well, yes, it is. Even though Stella... And and Augie are or Stella and Ramon are uh, investigating throughout the film. Yeah. Um, you know, Chuck wants nothing to do with it, especially after uh, Augie disappears. Yeah. Well, you know, Stella is like plucky little heroine, mm-hmm. and but vulnerable, plucky vulnerable little heroine. Ramon, we learn, is facing some more grown-up problems yes. than than you know than the other kids are so um he's you know plus he's not from around here and he has you know had to endure um you know slurs and um racial things about him being from south of the border yes and, and he's uh, also um harassed by the local sheriff uh-huh. played by Gil Bellows. I'm like, that's Billy. And yes. you're like, yeah, it is. Um, the reference being um, Gil Bellows played um, Billy on Allie McBeal mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he's still, he's, his hairline is different, but he's basically holding up pretty well. Well, at one point in that show, he was shaved bald because he had cancer. Um, he, he, well, no, he bleached his hair white. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because he had the brain tumor and was losing his mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he bleached his hair white, but he never, he never, he didn't know he was sick long enough to have to shave his hair. Okay. Yeah, all right. My apologies. You stand corrected. Thank you. Um, yeah, so... There, there are some, some instances of not just the racial um, slur slur about people from south uh, of the border, south of the border, uh, which apparently he's not, as we find out later, but he's um, also you know having to deal with these bullies that wreck his car. Uh-huh. Um, just for helping out our main three characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could have just 
you know, once got once the car got fixed, he could have just taken off, even though the sheriff wanted him to stick around after the first kid disappeared. Yeah, but he was starting to fall for Stella. Apparently. Yeah. You know uh, what? So you know, we we get a, we get a little young romance, um, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm moving around and trying to readjust myself. So That's if you fine. hear. Um, covers well, rustling and that kind of thing. It's they're me. probably hearing my um, dinner gurgling. Your, your stomach is loud. Yes, it is, and my apologies for that. But um, he had a spicy bowl. Yeah, well, um, we don't want to give any free plugs. But the the that's why I didn't say where it was from. Okay. The um, throughout the movie these characters, at least the ones that make it to the end, um, are maturing. They're growing up. They're facing mm -hmm. things that are way above anything they have experienced before. Yeah. And they are, um, you know, rising to meet the challenge. Um, and that was another reason why I liked the movie. Mm -hmm. um, because these kids weren't taking the easy way out. Uh, of course, Grand, this is 1968, and, and I remember being, I wasn't that age at 1968. No. I, I was younger than the kids in the movie, yeah. but um, it was uh, a very, very, very different time. Oh, yeah. And um, there's this sort of through line about, um, not only change within the characters, but change within the country. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we get brief glimpses of protests. And election returns. Election returns. Walter Cronkite is actually listed in the credits. <laughs> um, and it's it's just, the the through line of the film is, is change and maturing, uh, as well as facing Facing your fears um, huge and, and monsters. adversity um, that you cannot be prepared for, but figuring out a way to to face it and to overcome it. So, I actually think this movie is very good. What did uh, What are your impressions of of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I really liked it. Oh, goody! I was afraid you were very quiet. Uh, because so. I was enthralled. <laughs> no, seriously, it's entertaining from front to back, and um, I liked the characters. I liked the story. I hated the bullies. Mm -hmm. It was like you know, very clear lines drawn of good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, it, it it just it was thoroughly engaging, and I really really liked it. Well, good. I'm so happy that you're happy. I am happy that I'm happy that you're happy. Hey. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very, I think, well worth the investment in time to watch. It is available to stream on Netflix. Um, and of course, if you don't have Netflix, you can rent it in all the usual places. But um, really, I, th you know, it's, it's a pretty good kids of, you know, teens, early teens, pre-teens-ish Halloween movie that the whole family, I think, can enjoy watching. Yeah. 
it's not there's it, there's not you know much language there's no nudity there's um, not really much blood no there's it's there's some disturbing imagery but yes. it's not it's not gore in the conventional sense that you're used to gore yes uh, i suppose the goriest thing is the jangly man um yeah mr creepy crawly like um like some of the sketches after amy on the dead files does her walk and sees all the creatures uh-huh um you know he he looked he reminded me of some of the sketches of some of the um evil ghosty things that she's seen in some of these houses he's uh shiny dark very dark he's very dark long uh ropey arms and legs yes um and he skitters he skid well and the way he moves his arms and legs are not attached the way a normal person's would be or a normal animal even yes because i'm not sure he's a human thing necessarily well he's humanoid uh whether he is uh a human or used to be human i don't know yeah but he's he's uh he looks like he's greasy and um he moves in a way that is quite disturbing he's very strong apparently um and um you know he he is uh according to ramon he's um a character in a story that his i think brother used to tell him yeah around the campfire um like a scary story that you, you would know, tell in the would dark tell in the dark yeah uh so yeah he is i think one of the he he made the biggest impression on me jangly man did yes but i think i was actually more affected by chuck getting absorbed by the doughboy yeah with the girl. bad hair yeah it's and she's got this the doughboy has this giant smile on its face and it almost looks friendly except clearly it's not yeah it's that was the creepiest part for me was that face yeah yeah it it it's yeah it's like a smile but it's disturbing it's it was almost well it's kind of like if a corpse smiled granted it was all out of proportion and everything but or a really pasty bloated extremely pale white bloated body that's been floating in the water was smiling Creepy. Uh, that too um so too, too graphic uh, a little bit uh a family show people yeah clearly we enjoyed scary stories to be tell in the dark but scary stories to tell in the dark but we will come back after this message and give you our ratings for the film, as well as discuss what we've watched and or read. And we'll do that right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, the film, released in 2019, had a budget of approximately $25 million. And worldwide, it grossed 104.5. Decent. There were 
initially plans announced in 2020 for a sequel. Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine the the plague uh, got in the way of that. Mm, yeah. And um, it, it I, I sincerely doubt it'll happen, but it, it, it may. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 77% uh, out of 233 reviews. Hmm. And Metacritic gave it a 61 out of 100 based on 33 reviews. And audiences polled by CinemaScore were not impressed. They only gave it a C. Well, they all suck. Yes, I agree with them. Because... In my opinion, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a five-star movie. Um, I also agree that um, it's five scary stories. All right. Well, it was, I, re I thoroughly enjoyed it. Catch it on Netflix. Uh, what have you been watching or reading or whatever? Okay. Um, I'm not reading anything new. I'm, I'm trying to finish what I'm working on now, so we'll, you know, I'll keep you posted. Um... The one thing that I watched that was memorable, anyway, um, was on Netflix. It was a documentary called Descendant. Um, it it tells the story, the backstory, and the present story of the. Quit that smartphone hiccuping on me. Mm. Um, the the past story and the present story of a slave ship the last slave ship that came to america um called the clotilda which um came to rest in mobile bay um mobile alabama um there is um it, it tells the story of um, members of a little community there near Mobile called Africatown. Um, and their ancestors were actually brought to America illegally as human cargo on the Clotilda um, during the Civil War. This is way long after um, it has been made um, unlawful to bring slaves over. Um, the ship's history and fate, and, and I'm reading this, um, the ship's history and fate continues to intrigue historians to this day. Um, what happened to the Clotilda is that um, a, a wealthy landowner whose last name was Mayer um, arranged to bring um, a cargo of human people over from Africa on this ship and he knew that it was illegal and so when the ship got to where it got to its destination um, he decided you know I've smuggled these slaves in and what I'm going to do is I am going to blow the ship up light it on fire and sink it so that you know in in an effort to destroy evidence that he had committed this crime but they're he the people got off yeah oh okay well yeah that was the whole point well was i mean bringing he, over this labor he might have changed his mind about the labor and just decided to kill everybody no no um no no so he blows it up and burns it blows it up and it. burns it and um you know for 150 years um, the descendants of those slaves who um, are still um, ensconced in this this 
community mm-hmm. still to this day mm-hmm. um, have had sto- have heard stories about the Clotilda. They have wondered, you know, what really happened. Um, where's the wreckage? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof that that this actually happened? Um, we get a lot of um, archival footage of um, the writer Zora Neale Hurston, who actually did a lot of um, research in this community, um, capturing their songs and their stories and their dialect. Um, And um, so that's totally made me want to read her books now, too. Mm Um, the book that talks about this is called Barracoon, and that, that's the book that was recommended for people to, to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, the ship, as, as of the writing of this that I'm reading from, the ship's remains are still buried at the bottom of the Mobile River. Um, the Alabama Historical Commission was granted ownership of the wreckage, which entrusted them with the duty of preserving and protecting what remains of the last piece of the um, history of the Clotilda's descendants. Um, It was fascinating. Hmm. Um, It was maddening in some ways, Mm -hmm. obviously, Mm -hmm. because, you know, the um, the whole history of slavery in this country is is a blot and a smudge and a very dirty, shameful um, part of our past. But like, um, like the the Holocaust and you know all of these other periods of atrocity, um, they need to be remembered and they need to be passed on to our children uh, because those who do not learn from history shall be doomed to repeat it. Um, so anyway, it's called Descendant. It is on Netflix. Um, I streamed it in the middle of the night and was um, engrossed. Hmm. So it's really, it's definitely worth the watch if you are um, any kind of history, um, history person, um, Civil War particularly, um, African American history. Um, there are several um it, this ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of different kinds of um, interests for people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's and it was fascinating. Anything else? Um, not nothing that I can remember except okay. what I've watched with you. Well, one of the things we've watched together is Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, also on Netflix. O M G. It is um, a pretty deep dive. And how much of it is made up? I'm sure most of the conversations between Dahmer and his victims, um, Dahmer played by Evan Peters, uh, are you know made up because nobody's left know. alive. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it, it gives us you know a more in-depth look at his uh, life prior to his killing, mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. Um, when he's left alone in his house because his dad has remarried um, after a divorce and his mom took his little brother and just left. Just took off. So here's this, you know, 
kid just got out of high school and he's left alone in the house for three months to his own devices. Oh, good Lord, what could possibly go wrong? He was already a budding alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was bringing uh, booze to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a closeted gay man. Yeah. And... And not just gay. Um, gay is only a part of who he was. Mm-hmm. Um his larger issues of course you know in the 80s it still the late 70s and and throughout the 80s being gay was still um a a much more taboo kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so there there is that but he um he he did like experiments on animals when he was a kid and he and he and his father actually sort of bonded over that activity he would put roadkill that he and his dad would go look for yeah um uh in vats of acid to to burn away the uh flesh and the fur Mm -hmm. and he would collect the bones of these animals Mm -hmm. um and that morphed uh, once he was out on his own into collecting the bones of his victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he did was so horrendous. What I'm about to say is going to sound weird, but I can't help but feel sorry for him. Dude did not have a fighting chance. He had so much, apparently, that was stacked against him, and there's so much pathology in play with the development of his personality and how, um, how... there are so many possibilities as to how he got the way he was. Yeah. His mother was medicated during her pregnancy. Heavily medicated, and, you know, just... Ugh. Um, and his father makes reference to a hernia surgery that he had when he was, what, four? I think that's what it was. Um, and, you know, he he posits the thing that maybe something went wrong with the anesthesia and he ended up with brain damage. Um, both things are completely plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there, there are... <sighs> Dude didn't have a fighting chance. There are... And... The thing that that strikes me most about all of these portrayals of Dahmer uh, and the documentaries we've watched, Mm -hmm. because this is like the fourth thing I've watched about Dahmer uh, on on top of all the podcasts, but he was so, so lonely. Yeah. He, his his justification or the reason he, he gave for for killing these men that he picked up in a bar um, was that he didn't want them to leave. Yeah, that was his whole motivation for um, for his crimes, apparently. And he would, tr- he would drill holes in men's skulls and pour some sort of acid Muriatic mixture acid. and try to turn them into zombies so that he could so that they would stay they would have no need to leave yeah that he could they contr- would he he would be under they would be under his control almost like a pit yes um 
and it just it 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 just boggles the mind. And even um, after all this time, it is still so chilling and so disturbing mm -hmm. and um just ghoulish. Yeah. The the things that he did to his victims um before they were dead and then after they were dead. Mm -hmm. Um it's 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 still jarring to hear some of these details. Yeah, it, the atrocities even after the person was dead just kept piling well, up. Well, in some cases after they were dead it was worse. Uh yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're s six episodes in. It's a ten-episode ten series. Ten-episode series. Um, and Evan Peters uh, is terrific, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it, it is, while gory, it isn't overly gory. They could have gone... Oh, they could have gone way, way overboard. Way overboard on the gore on this, but um, you know there is there was one scene where you know he and the guy he drugged uh, are I think in his grandmother's cellar, um, and they're both naked, and Dahmer's on top of him, and you hear a snap. And that is when he is strangling the guy yeah. to death. Um, that, you know. That's sobering. That is. That's a sobering moment. That is, yeah, that is definitely a a strong moment mm -hmm. in this uh, in this show. And I, I know some people are very upset about this. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, even again in the documentaries like the one we watched on Netflix where they had the audio tapes between him and his lawyer mm -hmm. um, it's I just can't help but feeling you know aside from the mental illness um, he was just so lonely and they imply at least well they don't imply they actually show that one of his victims was somebody that appeared to be interested in a relationship yeah. with him. And because the guy had to go to work, Dahmer killed him. Because he did not want... He didn't his, want him to leave. He did not want his lovers to leave. Uh, of course, and, some of them never got a chance to say, I gotta go. Well, and, you know, the word lovers is loose, very loose terminology yeah, in, in part Hookups, cases. partners, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it's, it's, I just can't help but have some empathy for him. Again, because he never had a chance. He probably had some brain damage, either from the surgery or from his mother self-medicating, well, with a lot of stuff yeah uh when she was pregnant and i just i i just have i i just i feel sorry for him wherever the damage came from yes he was clearly damaged yes he was not insane he was just damaged and it, that does not justify what he did in any way shape or form 
but it may I just, help to explain it. It may, but it's it's still horrendous what he did to all those men. Yeah, uh, men and boys. So, uh, Dahmer or uh, it, it's a weird title because at the end of the episode, a big the biggest word on the screen is Dahmer, and then under that it says Monster: The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. Yeah, it's redundant and repetitive. Yes. Um, so we're, I don't know if enjoying it is the proper phrase, but we are appreciating what we're seeing. There are, there are strong acting performances in this. There is good writing. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely has the look mm -hmm. of the era. Mm -hmm. I mean, the 70s look like the 70s. Mm -hmm. And um, the way that it's put together... Um, alternating between various timelines mm -hmm. is um, smart and keeps you um, keeps the viewer engaged I think yeah. I mean, it's keeping me engaged yeah so. rather than just a linear a to B to Z narrative if you think it's something you'd be interested in it's on Netflix uh, we've also been watching um, queer for fear the history of queer horror on shutter uh, it uh, takes a look at um, the either intentional or unintentional representation of um, LGBTQIA, et cetera, et cetera, characters in horror going back to the beginning of cinema. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, put together by Brian Fuller, who is a, uh, a queer uh, filmmaker, writer director director and um he you know that's he's also one of the commentators um, yeah he's a contributor and there's there's so much of either intentional or unintentional um queer representation in horror movies mm -hmm. uh that uh, quite frankly, was a surprise to me. Yeah, now, and I'm going to be watching a lot of this stuff with a different eye now. Yes. Um, like, is that gay coding? Um, well, and a lot a, of... a lot. There was a lot of gay coding. There was, and uh, for instance, James Whale, the director who did Frank the original Frankenstein, mm -hmm. uh, was gay. And, um, you know... There are characters throughout uh, his films that are, if not actually uh, gay or lesbian, are, you know, at least playing gay or lesbian. Yeah, you, you wonder about them. Yeah, and uh, it, it's really eye-opening. I've, mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed all of it. Uh, I found it fascinating. I, I think, did. I think it's going to be five episodes total, and the fifth one comes out on Friday. Okay. But, yes, it comes out. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got me. See what uh, I did there? Yeah, I see, I yeah. see what you did. Uh, drops on Friday. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, uh, today on a podcast I listened to called The King Cast, which is about Stephen King books. Mm -hmm. Fuller was uh, the guest on that today. Okay. Uh, where he was, uh, the, the topic was Queer for King and um, how 
even though sometimes he can be very clunky in his representation of, um, you know, minorities or women, uh, or or sometimes people on the LGBTQIA spectrum. Um, Fuller actually believes he presents honest portrayals of um, queer people in his stories. Hmm. Um, he, you know, usually if there's a queer character, they are the villain or they're the victim, hmm. one or the other. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of King's work, they're just characters. Just there. They're just there. Yeah. Um, and it isn't, there isn't a big deal made out of their sexuality, but it is referenced. Um, so. Well, like, like descriptions of any, of any character, um, that makes sense. It's just, uh, it's just a part of what makes them who they are. Mm-hmm. Like being left-handed or, you know, short or tall or whatever. It's uh, it, it was a, and a very interesting conversation to listen to. It's a long one, though. It's like almost two hours long. Okay. But uh, I did listen to it. And well, that burned up a hunk of your work day. It did. And uh, it, was, it was equally as fascinating uh, as the uh, Shudder series Queer for Fear, The History of Queer Horror, uh, and once again, that is on Shudder. Uh, Shudder there, with D's, not T's. Yes. And there are uh, four episodes currently mm-hmm. um, available to stream. Uh, and this isn't anything we've watched, but I'm sure it's going to be something that I eventually will watch uh, or be involved in something I will watch as James Gunn, the director and writer, and Peter Sa- uh, Safran, who is a producer, have been put in charge of DC Studios by Warner Brothers Discovery, and as they they will be co-CEOs. So they will be in charge of the superhero movies that are done by DC. What makes this especially interesting is that James Gunn had worked for Marvel. He had uh, done uh, both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm -hmm. He's got a uh, Christmas Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special that will uh, run on Disney Plus. Oh my gosh! And Guardians of the Galaxy three has been already shot, okay. and they're in post production. So, okay. uh, but now uh, Gunn is uh, in the DC family, which he kind of had been dabbling in. Um, he got fired from Marvel for a time for some. Um, tweets that were 10 year old tweets that were brought back up by some right wing trolls Uh, to try to make it look like he was a pedophile and uh, all this uh, all this garbage which Disney went oh well we better let him go so Disney fired him Um, and then it was like yeah we made a mistake we better bring him back but while he was uh, fired he worked on some DC projects, okay. including The Suicide Squad uh, and Peacemaker, okay. which was the HBO Max series that I watched. And um, now he's going to be overseeing the, uh, along with uh, Mr. Safran, 
um, the future of the DC Extended Universe? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's me with sour grapes and what I have seen um, in the past with anything that Uncle Zaz touches, he breaks. Um, that's Peter Zaslov? Is that who we're talking about? I don't even remember his first name. Well, he's like the president and CEO he's the, of... He's the Discovery King. Yeah. Uh, David Zaslov. David Zaslov. Uncle Zaz. Uh, and... I'm uh, scarred, so yes. I can't remember. Well, there's... There's a whole ton of backstory. There's back a whole story. backstory here that we don't need to get into, but... Uh, yeah, she's he, she's not he entirely... He he breaks it. He's not, she's not entirely happy with Mr. Zaslov. I'm not um, the only one. No, no, that's true. Oh, by the way, I went to the theater to see Black Adam, uh, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I can smell what The Rock is cooking. And it's a perfectly fine superhero movie. It's not great by any stretch, stretch of the imagination. It flirts with some um, um, commentary on like the exploitation of um, um, Arab uh, countries by the West for their uh. resources. It doesn't really dive into that a whole lot, but it, it is sort of tap danced around. Okay. But, you know, mostly you're there for to see the rock and to see you know bunch of special what, effects bunch and of special effects fights and stuff um they've got the justice society uh which they never refer to as the justice society of america which is how i had always known it but um uh hawkman dr fate uh adam smasher which is a very secondary character and another character whose superhero name I don't remember, but she's like this whirlwind twister tornado thing. Um, and, and there's some cute moments in it, and I like the relationship between uh, Black Adam and this uh, teenage boy um, that, you know, the, the boy is familiar with the world and, you know, modern things. And Black Adam's 5,000, hasn't been around for 5,000 years. So mm -hmm. he doesn't know what TV is. He doesn't know what cars are. Yeah. He doesn't, you know. Um, so this young boy kind of, mentor. kind of teaches him about the modern world a, a little bit. Adam doesn't really want to learn anything. He just wants to blow stuff up and, and kill people. Uh, which, you know, Black Adam is different in that way. He will kill his enemies. He won't just um, render them unconscious and then let the authorities take care of them. Uh, and what I, what I would like to see from this new uh, leadership at DC is, A, give the creators the control, because when it becomes a... Um, a, a collection of uh, creators and executives, it becomes this melange of, of average. Yeah. You know, Gunn has proven that he can make a very good movie uh, involving superheroes if you just leave him alone and let him do his let thing. Let him do the thing, yeah. 
um, and uh, I'm hoping that they sort of take the gloves off and decide to make a couple of R-rated superhero movies. Things like Deadpool and Logan, which were uh, Fox slash, uh, well, they were 20th Century Fox at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those were hugely popular movies that made a ton of money. You can have an R-rated superhero. Yeah, it's, gritty and it, dark. Well, gritty and dark or like Deadpool, constantly cracking jokes and a decent amount of gore. So it's it can be done. Yeah. If it's done correctly. And I'm I'm hoping uh Gunn and Saffron will be able to guide the currently rudderless DC uh extended universe ship uh because it has been just it's been a bit of a mess it's been floundering yes all right well i think that takes care of it for this week yeah uh thank you very much for listening uh another scary movie maybe next weekend next week if you probably probably all right so uh we extend spooky season another week uh thank you very much for listening please subscribe on apple Podcasts. give us five stars uh and a positive rating and all of that stuff and uh uh, if you have a question for us, you can send that to us at comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for a movie for us to watch, just tell us what it is and why you think we should watch it. Once again, send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. And you can also send it to us in a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode. I'm Stan the Movie Man. That's Maud the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later. Yay!